How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? We're taller. You look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. We're basically the same. Feels like things just settled down, and now y'all are making a movie. It's a very complex and human story. I think it's hard to trust that you're going to represent Gracie as she was. I'm going to try. Do you remember when you first met? You came to the pet store looking for a job. A summer after sixth grade. Seventh. Why do you want to play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloid. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh grader? People, they like see me as a victim. I wanted it. I already have an idea of what it must have felt like. What? Sneaking around with you. I shouldn't have said that. Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. She's getting on my last nerve. She's just everywhere I look. Why can't we talk about it? If we're really as in love as we say we are? Insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. So tonight we are talking about Todd Haynes' latest film, May December, which is now streaming on Netflix. Loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal from 25 years ago, the film stars Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Charles Melton. Are you guys familiar with Todd Haynes at all? And do you guys remember the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal? 1997, like we're all the same age. So it's like what, seventh grade? Do you guys remember no, this? No, before that, if it was 97, we were like nine or 10. Middle school, sixth grade. You said 97, so maybe we're 11? 97, yeah, 11. Maybe sixth grade, that's not yeah, even middle school. Grade. I mean, I'm aware of the case, but I don't know if I'm aware of it from then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's the kind of thing you can understand when you're that age ironically yeah. enough now knowing like that was a really big tabloid thing in the past when we were that young i don't remember hearing about it i feel like i learned about it years later right yeah even maybe after she was already released from prison like that's kind of when i probably you know had a better understanding yeah of it. i think i remember it being mentioned but then the sensationalization of the story was when so to give context, Mary Kay Letourneau was an elementary school teacher in Washington. She began a sexual relationship with one of her twelve-year-old students. She went to jail for it, obviously. But then when she got out of jail, she married him and started a family with him. So this movie is loosely based on those events. 
obviously fictionalized and inserting the Natalie Portman character. And I think when they started the family, that was when, you know, we were older and we had more of an understanding of what was going on. And like, that's when I remember the media coverage the most from the story. I mean, when did you guys see this movie? I just saw it on Netflix last night. Yeah, same here. Actually, I just watched it last night on Netflix. Was not playing in any theaters near me, so I wasn't able to watch it in the theater. It had a theatrical release, right? Yeah, it had a theatrical release. It was actually kind of hard to find a screening in New York. Not too many theaters were playing it. So I first saw it at New York Film Festival, and I actually missed the first screening because of a wedding I had to go to. When I came back, there was one more screening for New York Film Festival all the way in Staten Island. I Ubered all the way to Staten Island to watch this fucking movie, which is like the longest I've ever traveled. I don't know New York, so like, is that a long Uber for you? It's like 45 minutes. Okay, like, that's it's a long more Uber. than I would have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a, a long Uber. Uber. I want like the full New York Film Festival experience, so I just went and it was a packed theater, so... Apparently, a lot of people were willing to travel to Staten Island to see this movie. And I don't go to Staten Island for anything. True dedication to the cinephile podcaster experience. I was going to say, you guys, he's dedicated to movies. This we, we got the right guy here. Willing to go to Staten Island. All right. Well, to answer your second question, Jeff, I actually am not familiar at all with Todd Haynes. And I, even his biggest movie to date... Carol. Um, I know that was a big Oscar contender from a couple years ago, and I haven't even seen that. That's kind of one of my empty... What's the... I don't know the right word. Blind spots. Blind spots. Thank you. It's one of my blind spots. Uh, I haven't seen it either. Uh, Have you seen any Todd Haynes movies? No, I don't know Todd Haynes at all. What about you, Jeff? I actually filled in some Todd Haynes blind spots fairly recently. I think when Dark Waters came out, which is like the Mark Ruffalo DuPont Teflon scandal movie that he did in 2019. When that came out, I really liked it. So I went back and filled in some blind spots. Like Carol's really fucking good. I really like Carol. Like if we actually do like a top 25 of the decade now, I would actually include Carol in there. It's just that good. Wow. Yeah. Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Far From Heaven from 2002 is really good. Safe, one of his first movies, 1995. They're all really good. But I really did like May, December a lot. So it's funny because the two Todds, Todd Fields and Todd Haynes, May, December and Tar are kind of occupying the same space in my mind for me. You know, like a thorny movie that has a lot on its mind, a lot of layers to it. They don't really say the same things. But they're similar in a lot of ways, I think. In part about performance and art. Yeah. Like the middle-aged claimed actress making a run for an Oscar bid. No, it's a super interesting read. I think when I was watching this movie, I don't think Tar ever really entered my mind. But I definitely see how you made that connection. That's interesting. Yeah, I think the performance aspect is a lot of it. And also a person of influence and their responsibility. The moral gray area of that. Not so much the moral gray area of Julianne Moore's character, but, you know, Natalie Portman as the actress. So I actually found this article that came out a few days ago from Slate magazine. 
and it said, uh, is Natalie Portman a bad actress or is she just a master of playing one? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's mean. Um, I think we've had some Natalie Portman slander on the podcast. Have we? Mostly coming from me. Oh, has this all been (laughs) offline? All right. Maybe I'm confessing. Maybe we only talked off the pod about this, but I'll confess it to the world. I'm not the world's biggest Natalie Portman fan. And I think before this movie, I probably would have asked the same question. I don't know that I was convinced that Natalie Portman was, like, some kind of great talent or whatever. But I actually really, really liked her in this. I think this movie actually shuts the door on that question as opposed to raising it. Funny that you should say, because your guy at Chapo Trap House, Will Menneker, quoted that tweet saying... The first one, she's a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because that article's picture has four Natalie Portman movies, like her character from four movies. It's Black Swan, Jackie, Vox Lux, and May December, which I think like are probably her four best roles. <laughs> well, and she's only playing a bad actress in one of them, right? Yeah, I think in so. this one. So I think you have to yeah, give her yeah, yeah. credit for the others. I don't. I don't know. Why don't we go around? Like, what did you guys think of this movie? I feel like you both have already given your impressions of this movie. Well, Amir just said he's like Natalie Portman. He didn't say anything. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. true. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I'll go further than Derek and say I did like the movie. Um, As I said earlier, new to Todd Haynes. So I can't say, you know, so I guess he's so far he's one for one for me. (laughs) But I really thought that the acting performances in this were great. I didn't know that much about the movie. I don't think I even really fully realized it was a Mario Kayla Torno thing. But I think that everybody was really great, including Charles Melton. Like, I don't know any of his work. And he was really, really uh, excellent. He blew me away. I thought he did better than both the female leads, actually. He was really incredible. Yeah, but I think everybody was yeah, great. Yeah, everyone's great in this. I think this is really just like a very painful showcase of some really thorny acting i like this a lot three for three i really like this movie too i agree with all you guys are saying i think the performances from like the three leads are spectacular i will disagree in the sense with jeff i still think for me natalie portman really holds down this movie and was kind of like that top build for me and then it was probably charles milton and then like julianne moore at the bottom but again all really interesting all great performances and Honestly, what I really loved about this movie, and like, again, I've never seen Todd Haynes' movie, but the way he shoots this movie is very dreamlike, very ethereal to some of his shots. What Mm -hmm. I really love, that sense of style as a director that I was getting from this. I love that this movie really is an exploration of identity and perception of identity and... This idea of so much of who we are and how people judge us are so based on like instances that you have in your life. Like you don't truly understand anyone because you can't. You're never Mm -hmm. with someone 24-7. And I think it's interesting the way Portman and Moore work off of each other and like how even Portman kind of works off of everyone in this movie to try to recreate another person's life. It's immensely fascinating to me. Yeah, and the question is whether you can actually do that yeah right yeah and especially if you're a bad actress like she is in this movie like her character yeah so i think that if you can parse all the layers of what natalie portman's trying to do i think it becomes clear that she's a good actress playing a bad one and not just a bad actress playing a bad actress like i think there's too many layers there for someone truly bad to be able to pull this off absolutely agree yeah 
But I wanted to dig into something that you said, Derek, because you said you kind of liked the directing and that you thought it was dreamlike. And I kind of gave you a sense of style. I'll be honest, I didn't get the strongest sense of the style from this. I was watching it on like a little laptop mm. on my like bed on Netflix or whatever, right? Maybe not like the ideal viewing platform. But aside from like some of the blocking and stuff, I wasn't really, well, I got a strong sense of Todd Haynes' style or technicality. Is there something I'm missing for both of you? Like, is there something directorially that we, we should all know about Todd Haynes? I think formally, nothing really jumps out at me at this movie. That's how but I felt. the thing that he weaponizes the most in this movie is tone. Yeah. And the way he purposefully collides tones is something i've never seen done so effectively ever mixing the melodramatic and the humorous and the devastating and the mixture is like so potent and it makes the movie like pretty unforgettable like i'm always thinking about this movie this is one of those movies like tar from last year right there's a lot of nuance to the movie where you know it just sticks to the ribs and this one does too and the big debate around this movie is like is it camp and I am firmly on the side of this not being camp. I think camp is like one of those things, you know, when you see it, it's hard to define, but you know, when you see it, I understand where the camp categorization comes from, like, especially the first five minutes of the movie, right? Where the movie uses this super piercing, sinister piano motif. That's very like melodramatic. And the first time it's used accompanying one of the characters, you know, it plays over the opening credits. But when Julianne Moore's character is in the house and she opens that fridge and the score blasts you in the face, it's like so sinister. And like, she's got this horrified look on her face. And then all she says is, I think we're going to need more hot dogs, right? I think that is very camp adjacent and it's very funny because I think it's supposed to elicit laughs from you. But there's definitely a purpose and a meaning behind it that becomes more clear as the movie goes on. And I think there's too much purpose behind it to be actual camp. I don't know if you guys think that or not. I think it's camp, but it's good. Right? Like, <laughs> I think, it's, I think you're good. just saying it's camp, okay. but it's done well, right? Like, I don't think camp is a so bad it's good no 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 i don't think that's it either something can be campy intentionally and still be good it's interesting to hear that people are reading parts of this as camp because i feel like he purposely is trying to stay pretty self-serious with the way he's approaching like the characters in the story because ultimately like and i'm maybe kind of starting to dive into the end here it's the end is a little camp in more ways than one I in think. more ways than one and like the natalie portman character is trying so hard to stay away from that that i felt that seriousness of it but mm. that's what was kind of funny to me at the end when we do talk about the end that it's like she was so serious but yet what she creates is not that's where it starts to dive into that camp for me the whole movie itself felt very self-serious and like was taking the subject matter and these characters very seriously. But there are definitely points in the movie that are very, very funny and I laugh yeah, out loud. Yeah. Like, I don't want to equate camp with humor because that's not what camp is, but there are definitely moments in this movie where I laughed out loud. And the ending's one of them because to draw another line with Tar, it's very Tar-esque 
this big reveal at the mm-hmm. end, which yeah. we'll talk yeah. about yeah. later. Did it yeah, hit, like, the Tara like a... one for me? It didn't hit, like, Tara? Okay. I was a little spoiled, and I wasn't super shocked, I guess, either. Maybe it didn't hit me the way it should have. You guys want to do a real quick summary before we really dive into it? Okay, yeah. So, this movie is basically... It's a parallel to the Mary Kay Letourneau story, like, the real-life story. And Julianne Moore plays the analog here. Her name is Gracie Atherton Yu. Her husband, Joe Yu, is played by Charles Melton. And the movie takes place after they've had their affair and after she's... I'm assuming it's the same because she's been to prison and you see it in the tabloid clippings on the movie. They got married after she's released from prison. In the movie, she has an affair with him when he's 13 years old, not as a student, but working at a pet store. So what happens is the movie adds a layer with Natalie Portman's character, Elizabeth Berry, who is making a movie about Gracie's life and her relationship with Joe. She is shadowing her at her home while researching the movie. It's the relationship between Natalie Portman and this family that she's watching and researching deep dive into the dynamic between Gracie and Joe. That's basically the gist of this movie. I kind of spoke which actors I liked the most. Jeff, it sounds like you liked Charles Melton the most. Was it Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman were like kind of at the same level in this? Did you like one more than the other? And then I guess maybe the same question to Amir. I don't want to rank the actors, but I, I'm essentially doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Charles Melton blew me away here. Yeah. You know, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore are such seasoned actresses that I feel like I've seen stuff of this caliber from them before. Not saying that it's bad or like any of the performances are bad. I think Charles Melton surprised me the most. And, you know, not just because he's from CW show Riverdale, right? Like, that's the only thing I know him from. But he's also the one that elicited the most emotion out of me during this movie. His performance is devastating. Just this boy who never got to grow up and he has children of his own. So he's 36 years old in this movie when this movie takes place. And two of his kids are going to college. And the things just bubbling underneath the surface. At several points of the movie, they boil over. Those are the most powerful moments in the movie. I think he's so, so good in this. And just playing the different layers to the character. It's a really sad performance. The movie toggles between like, oh, I'm laughing at Natalie Portman's Elizabeth Berry and her ridiculous actor brain, right? She should be really diagnosed with actor brain. Like, that's basically what it is. Uh, And it's very, very funny. On the other hand of this movie is like Charles Melton and this supremely fucked up relationship he has with his wife, Gracie, how damaged he is, how damaged both of them are. And how sad that is. And, like, that's the main collision of tone. And I think he's the one that brings it all together. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree with you. I was the most surprised by him. And I was also surprised because it's the performance sneaks up on you. Yeah. You know, because he is trying to mask all this deep trauma for the first half of the movie or so, right? And so it is a very subdued performance, you know. And it's only after... He starts opening up and you're seeing all that deep pain inside him that you look back at what he was doing at the beginning and you're like, oh, this was someone very successfully playing a traumatized, damaged, withdrawn person who's essentially still a 13-year-old boy inside the body of a 36-year-old man, right? Like, once he starts doing the bigger, more dramatic things halfway through the movie or so, you know, you can look back at what he was doing earlier and go, oh, I get it. So, for me, it was... 
like a revelation. Like I just remember, you know, halfway through the movie in one of the sort of uh, climactic scenes, I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. What the fuck have I been missing this entire movie, right? Like it actively yeah, caused yeah. me to stop and think about what had been going on previously. I agree with you that we've seen work like this from Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore before, but I think that this role specifically suits Natalie Portman's like remove like yeah like like her remove and her like kind of technical tendencies and like like the fact that she's an actress playing a bad actress is definitely better for her than just her playing a role straight out right Mm -hmm. I very much think she was able to do some fun stuff with that I can see Elizabeth Berry as like a heightened bad version of Natalie Portman like herself I don't think she goes as far as, I don't know, masturbating in the back of a pet room storage stock room. But I don't know. She does seem like kind of a tryhard like that sometimes. I don't know. No, yeah, I think you're dead on. I do think that that's her. And I think she plays into that here, you know. When did you realize that Elizabeth was a bad actress? I think it took my second viewing on Netflix to pick up, like, the crumbs. Because the first time I was watching, it was the ending. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Okay. Because, like, everyone's like, oh, man, she's so bad. I was like, all right, like, in retrospect, but I didn't realize how bad she was until like near the end of this movie right okay so the second time i was watching the movie i picked up a lot of things about natalie portman I was like uh okay so they're definitely dropping crumbs here so they play like a little audio clip of her winning an award but it's definitely not like a golden globe or like an oscar it sounds like children like cheering so it's like a people's <laughs> choice award or some shit right like a nickelodeon award or something like that and then other people are like oh i love your show and it seems like some prestige Grey's Anatomy or like some doctor show. But then it's like, oh, I love when you operate on that elephant. So yeah. it's like a fucking Grey's Anatomy for vets or something. So I thought that was really funny. It was like yeah. clearly planting the seeds that she's not like she's a no Natalie Portman. Despian. Yeah, she's no <laughs> yeah. Natalie Portman. She's not doing roles like Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> Elizabeth is no Natalie Portman. Yeah. yeah. I guess maybe here's the point where I wonder if this was the first big hint for people. Did you think her practicing the monologue of Gracie's letter in front of the mirror, was that bad acting on Elizabeth's part? I actually don't think so. I, I actually didn't thought either. she was really good at that. I thought she was locked in there. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Elizabeth's actually pretty good. And then the end was kind of the bait and switch. The caliber of that performance is too high for the type of movie that she's making at the end, right? For I think sure. That's kind of yeah. The point. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. So it's the contrast between those things. She's doing a lot. Like you can see Elizabeth over the course of the movie becoming more and more like Gracie as she deliberately starts aping her mannerisms and her patterns. Yeah. Right. Even like the cutting remarks that Gracie says to her daughter and stuff, Elizabeth starts reflecting that stuff back to her and like the contemptuousness yeah. and like her gestures and manners with the way she moves her face, the way she holds her hands. You can see Natalie Portman playing Elizabeth, playing Gracie, right? It's really good. Yeah, and I'm not entirely convinced that we are meant to believe she's necessarily a bad actress, or is it that she's just hasn't been given her shot? Yeah, she's right? been in bad stuff, right? She's yeah, been in bad maybe- stuff, right? I mean, not to say that Charles Melton has always been a bad actor, but like, we don't know about him because I don't watch Riverdale, right? Like, I don't think I've seen <laughs> many things that Charles Melton's been in, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say that this isn't an actress that just hasn't been given the right role? I see how someone could read based on her 
password with the reveal at the end that yeah maybe she is considered a bad actress and i think this, people don't this like this monologue and they don't like at least from what i'm seeing like some people think oh this is one of the big hints that she's awful and i'm like i'm not sure i agree with that one. Oh, i haven't seen that take interesting i'll have to look i'm with you amir and i think i'm with you Derek, too that i think the monologue is good yeah yeah i didn't get a read that she's a bad actress because of this monologue. okay i mean the monologue is good but like on a surface level like acting wise right because yeah. amir all the stuff that you said like her adopting the mannerisms and observing gracie with the monologue it's all a veneer right like you're not actually drilling down into the core of gracie as a person because throughout the movie, she really doesn't understand her. Elizabeth's like, oh, I don't even think she realizes the things that she's done. But the actions of Gracie throughout the movie tell like a completely different story. Like she's a deeply fucked up person, right? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that Elizabeth doesn't understand Gracie because Elizabeth does not understand that Gracie is deliberately manipulating people around her? I think she misunderstands the effect of gracie and joe's relationship and the way the relationship affects both of them really because i kind of think she does get it you think so kind of yeah i think she's a bad person but i do think she gets it right like you know after she has the encounter with joe Mm -hmm. she starts trying to explain to him that like he has to get out that his wife is deeply fucked up and that this is like all been abuse and he's like not trying to hear it but i think she understands that i don't think she understands that gracie is like barely functioning right and i think that's like one of the big threads of this movie where you know the collision of tone in the beginning of the movie where she opens the fridge and you got like the piano stinger it's not like deliberately campy in that way it's that the music what it's getting at is that just the fact that they're out of hot dogs is like it's breakdown time for Gracie because it's she's so fragile. Breakdown time for Gracie, right? Yeah, because she's so fragile. Right. Exactly. So, like, you're saying that Gracie successfully hid that level of fragility from Elizabeth. From Elizabeth like, she never yeah. saw those breakdowns when someone stops ordering her cake and she just starts crying. So, you think she, yeah. she successfully hid that? Elizabeth understands from the way that Gracie treats the people around her that she's obviously not well, right? But like, the fragility is what's being hidden. I think. I think. Jeff has a point here when, and and this is near the end of the movie, right? Elizabeth has become this Gracie character that she's able to like seduce Joe, right? And they have this sexual encounter at uh, Elizabeth's Airbnb or wherever she's staying and like basically uses Joe, right? And Mm -hmm. takes advantage of him. And in a way, kind of treats him like she thinks Gracie would, right? Oh, yeah. This is the most evil method acting ever, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But after the encounter, Joe wants to get in bed, right? And this is the moment Mm -hmm. where, like, we saw earlier where, like, this is their nighttime ritual. They get in bed and they cuddle or whatever. And, like, that's where someone like Gracie has shown her vulnerability a lot in bed. That's when Joe's like, oh, this is not it. She is not Gracie, right? Because that's when Elizabeth takes it too far and it's too cold and switches off. And doesn't understand that side of Gracie, I think. And I think that's kind of to your point, Jeff, right? She sees only the one side of Gracie, but not the other. Oh, interesting. Mm. See, I thought that that was her just turning it off. Like, okay, I did it. I got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer pretending to be Gracie anymore, right? I read it like yeah. that too. The next line is like, this is just what adults 
do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is yeah. super cruel to someone who you know isn't developed enough to like be yeah. able to someone process who's never that. Been an adult. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's an insane thing to say. But I thought it was very deliberate. Like I'm turning it off. Not that I'm missing the vulnerability of the wife. Now that's I kind of true. agree with you. Like I see where you're coming from. Yeah, maybe Elizabeth doesn't understand that vulnerability. But that wasn't how I read this scene. Mm. I read it as like I finished using you now. I think both those things can be true. Well, that's yeah, what I was for sure, say, like- for sure. I read it the same way as you, Amir. Now Jeff talking about his point, I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of recontextualize that scene in that way too, though. Mm. I do want to talk a little bit about Natalie Portman's performance. I did say, like, I think she is my favorite actor in this movie, only because I think that she, I'm not, like, trying to equate because Charles Melton isn't the focus or it doesn't have as much screen time as Natalie Portman, because he does so much with the amount of screen time he does, and it is really great but like i think natalie portman is just given so much more to do in a sense to have to become this person who one is an actor who may or may not be a bad actor then who has to pretend to be somebody else and then is conniving and is seducing joe and and getting all this information from all these different people in gracie's life to then try to create this character i thought that was just all so fascinating and again i feel like natalie portman had just so much more to work with in that sense i don't disagree i think it's an insane character to want to play. Like, how do you even begin touching something like that? Like, as an actress, like mm-hmm. as Natalie Portman, right? It's probably one of the hardest things that you could ever do. Just a layered role like this. Yeah. You know? But Charles Melton is incredible in this. Yeah. Just thinking about the couple of scenes that really have stuck with me, you know, on the rooftop with his son. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. He gets high for the very first time with his son who's about to graduate from high school, you know, he breaks down and he's like, I don't know if we're connecting or if I'm creating a bad memory for you. In like, real time. Yeah, that's so, so insane. Yeah, like, real time. It's so insane. Like, I felt that so deeply. And, like, he's just so fucked up. Yeah. From his own past, that's all he can think of. Am I creating bad memories for my kids as someone who's never been able to be a kid? And, like, when the kids graduate, the graduation ceremony, he's like, choking back tears, watching them become, like, young adults that he never had the chance to be. Oh, my God, that was fucking crazy, too. Like, he's just really good. And then, obviously, after he has sex with Elizabeth, he goes back to Gracie in the bedroom, and that scene was amazing, too, where he breaks down and is like, what if I wasn't old enough to make those decisions? And what if the whole thing were... Gracie's like, oh, but who was the boss? Which is a wild thing to say. Who was in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was taken, like, verbatim yes, from yes. a Mary Kay Letourneau interview. That's the most insane thing about it. You were the adult. You can say that. I am saying that. I was by age. I was by age. And by you maturity. Ah, uh, you maybe. You were a teacher, Mary. You can't matter. say I was immature. But you don't know him. No, but I don't need to know him in this discussion. He's the child. I'm talking boss? about you. Who was the boss? Who was the boss? What? Who was the boss back then? You know, then? there was me pursuing you. But... Who was the boss back then? <laughs> this is ridiculous. No, this who is was? Ridiculous. Who was? Just say. Just say. Who was the boss? All I knew was what I knew back then. But who was the boss? He was 13, Mary. But who was the boss? This is getting weird. Who was the boss? Who? I'm pursuing the relationship. Who was the boss? Well, I was the pursuer. Yes. 
Mary, even as you're but hearing this now, come on, he was 13. It doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. Oh, well, flaw me. I've never seen anyone repurpose, like, real-life dialogue in that way, put it an intimate scene in a bedroom like that. That's crazy. It's so well done. Because she it's does so well use done. that same tick, that same phrase before, right? Yeah. So it's something that she uses to control him. It's not, or something she uses to defend her own ego against this realization. It's like, no, 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 but you were the boss. You were the one in charge, right? Yeah. It's like, you were the seducer. You seduced me. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, you guys should watch the real-life interview, because that thing is crazy. It's yeah. insane. It's even more, like, drawn out than this scene, where, like, she just goes off. She's like, but who was the boss? But who was the boss? But who was the boss? And then the interviewer's like, but he was 13, you know? Mm-hmm. It's wild. The interviewer's like, lady, you're fully insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she just can't, can't wrap her brain around it. It's wild to see. And even at the end, Billy, who Charles Melton is analoging here, in the real-life interview, he was like, at the end, even he was like, uh, I was just a kid, you know? That interview is just so wild. It's incredible that they actually repurposed that into the movie. I'll talk a little bit more about that scene with Gracie in the bedroom where he confronts her. It was just so wild. Like, that's the scene which made me look back at everything else he'd been doing in the movie in a new light, right? When he opens up like that. Like, the way he's unable to even just get his words out. Yeah. It's really, really hard stuff to watch. It's really, really good. He's just incredible there. And then you look back at him and, like, you're like, oh. You look at the way he's been, like, holding his posture the entire movie and the quietness and the way Gracie, like, puts down his hobbies and orders him around. And like, you see, like, the shrinking 13-year-old boy, like, inside the body of this giant man, right? Yeah. And, like, it recontextualizes these conversations he's having with that butterfly enthusiast in the Facebook group, you know, like he's texting her about conserving these monarch butterflies. He doesn't text like an adult, you know, like he's completely stunted. It's all surface level. He hasn't matured into having adult conversations. You know what I mean? He does try to like to hit on this girl and like meet up with her or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, you're married. But I do like his little butterfly hobby. Yeah. It's very endearing. <laughs> it adds a lot of personality. Yeah. yeah, it just adds so much personality to him. You know, he gained, like, 45 pounds for this role, too. Oh, really? Still, dude looks great. I would love to look like him if, like, even... With, with the, the 45 pounds doing. additional? Yeah, I know, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I was gonna ask, should we maybe get to the ending that we keep kind of alluding to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of this movie, you know, this whole time, uh, Elizabeth is an actor. She's doing research on Gracie, right, to play Gracie. Basically, at the same age, Gracie approached Joe... So we get to see her like acting in this movie. She's mm-hmm. filming. We kind of quickly learn that this is what like a almost it's like, like a lifetime, lifetime TV. Movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not to hate on Lifetime, I guess. If there's Lifetime lovers, it's out okay there. to hate on Lifetime. It's fine. <laughs> I'll allow it on this pod. <laughs> but I was like, oh, this is funny, and. I knew she was making a TV thing, but I guess I didn't realize it was like a lifetime movie, right? Like it was like, oh, a TV movie, TV movie. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is like there's a moment, I don't know, you guys probably caught this too, right? Like in the middle of the movie, she watches what was another movie? Yeah, it's like another, I don't know. Is it it a a movie or is it just like a recreation? Is it a porn? Or is it a porn? I don't know. It was pretty outrageous. Yeah. She, like, takes off her sweater and tosses it in it. I thought it was supposed to be a porn or something. I was rolling laughing at that. <laughs> if it's not a porn, it's, like, one step. It's like a cinematic. I guess like, what would be funnier to me was, like, I thought it was, oh, okay, that's the Lifetime version mm, of this right. movie. 
But right. at the end of the movie, I was like, wait, that movie looks a lot like this movie. So it's like <laughs> yeah. she's making basically the same movie, even though she turns it off and she probably sees it as lower. But in the end, it felt like she was making the exact same movie that she saw earlier. I think maybe that's the point of inserting that in the yeah, middle of the that movie. Is. Right? Like, yeah. uh, to give you a reference point, like at the end, like, oh, this is just the same as yeah. that CD movie that she put on. And not to mention her losing herself while doing work for the movie where she's like casting these kids and she's like uh i don't think they're sexy enough i'm like yeah. looking at pictures of these 13 year old boys so funny I was like, oh it's so fucked up <laughs> there's the scene in the middle of the movie where she goes to visit the high school you know and then does the thing with the drama class yeah, but then like, yeah, she's yeah. like walking in the hallway and like winks at one of the kids or like gives like, a smirk to one of the kids yeah, and yeah. i was like oh <laughs> she's diving a little too far into this role now too method yeah <laughs> The ending hit for me. I really liked it. You know, like, the ending, they really draw it out. They do, like, four takes of that scene. Seducing Joe in the pet store, right? Yeah, but then you get the sense of the people, and, like, especially the director's like, really, you want another take? I think we got it. They probably know what movie they're in. <laughs> the ending of the movie, the last line of the movie is like, oh, this is getting more real. I want to do it one last time. But, like, everyone's like, okay, we got it. Yeah. I think everyone else knows what kind of movie that yep. they're making, except for her. It's really funny. Also, she's fucking the director, right? So, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I caught that the second time. I didn't catch that the first time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, it jumped out at me when she's on the phone with him talking about the project. She's like, "So, where's your wife?" Or whatever. Yeah, it's like, 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 "Oh, yeah, you're really yeah. naughty," or whatever. Yeah. And then the thing with Joe right after, I was like, "This is an evil person." <laughs> she is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it went over my head. I just missed it. I didn't catch that line where she's like, "Where's your wife?" You know. Yeah, but I want to talk a little bit more about Julianne Moore as Gracie too like her manipulations with her daughter and then oh my god the family dynamics are so fucked up because she has grandchildren who are the same age as like her children with joe she has like a whole other family with her ex-husband and you know her son from that marriage is like oh this whole thing ruined my life well her son is the same age as joe right yes Yes. explicitly so and then her daughter's kids are the same age as their kids as their kids yeah yes. it's yes. insane yeah it's wild and the movie definitely knows what it's doing it reminds me a little yeah. bit of priscilla how priscilla keeps hammering home how young mm-hmm. uh, yep. the, the main yeah. character is in that in this movie it's hammered home like so many times how fucking young joe was and how fucked up this is like from the yeah. very beginning it's like oh her son is the same age as her husband and her grandson's the same age as her twins yeah it's wild and, like, now Joe is the same age as she was when she, like, abused him, when the yeah. relationship started. groomed him, yeah. But I also love the oldest daughter. Oh, yeah. And how she doesn't put up with her mother's shit, and, like, she's calling her out on stuff. She's like, why the fuck is Elizabeth Barry here at, like, their graduation brunch? You're gonna marry a scale, too? Yeah. Like, you gave one to me? It was, like, so fucked up to yeah. give your daughter a scale oh for, like, present. There's that scene where she's trying on her graduation dress. The dress. And oh she mentions the shoulders. The dress is so fucked and up. And it's like, oh. And then, it's yeah. like, you're so brave for showing your arms in that dress like that. I'm like, oh, my God. What a That's fucked up so thing to say. mean. Yeah. And then in the next scene, her daughter's wearing a dress with sleeves, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, I like this one. Gets even more escalated when yeah the eldest daughter mentions the scale right yeah 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 the other thing about the scale is that gracie kind of defends herself going to go by saying oh that's what my mother gave me yeah right so this is like just generational trauma being passed down yep 
she's kind of bullshitting. Like, that's not a defense, but it does reveal something about how fucked up her own childhood was. I did want to ask you guys, how did you read the last encounter between Gracie and Elizabeth? To give people context, it's at the graduation, right? And then uh, Julianne Moore was character basically says like oh i hope you don't believe what my son said because earlier in the movie her son basically tells elizabeth that she was abused by her older brothers and you know she's just passing around this trauma and like she's internally effed up but then julianne moore's like oh i hope you don't believe that and it kind of throws elizabeth for a loop because she didn't expect gracie to know that she knows that yeah i mean the whole thing is very passive aggressive i think the relationship just come to a head right and, you know, when Joe is driving Elizabeth home, she's like, I think I have outstayed my welcome, <laughs> you know? I don't know what else to read into that other than I was just like... ask, how do you read the denial of the sexual abuse? Well, I read it as... It doesn't matter that Gracie did that or not. It was that in the end of this relationship, Gracie kind of got the final word and she got one over on... Elizabeth, right? So this person who's trying to understand this person who's like conniving and is able to kind of like make everyone feel like shit. And in the end, you would think that someone who understands someone would be able to avoid that. And she couldn't at the end that even Gracie got one over on Elizabeth, like her knowing that she knows. Okay, interesting. So it just reveals like the failure or like the hollowness of Elizabeth's work. Like you still don't know everything about me. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You still don't know that I talk to my son all the time and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, it sort of raises the specter with this all just to put on how much of this is real. How much am I getting access mm-hmm. to real things? Should try to make her doubt herself and doubt the Like, the, you the don't really know me. Yeah. Yeah. But I read that as horseshit, though, right? That what? That she actually knew Georgie? No, not that, that knowing, no. but I read that as, like, it's all a power play, an ego defense for Gracie. Like, yeah, she got one over on her, but... I don't think that means that Elizabeth doesn't know her completely. It doesn't mean she hasn't gotten some sense. And I think that that doesn't mean that what she's saying about the child sexual abuse is actually true. Like, I think she's lying about that. I don't know if you're supposed to read into that if what we learn about Gracie is true or not. But it does seem like at the end, Elizabeth, you know, Natalie Portman's character seems frustrated by something. And I think it's this idea the person trying to understand this person, right, embody this person doesn't fully understand them. So the way I read this is that you know, it might be true, and Gracie does get one over on Elizabeth by saying, oh, you don't really know me. And that's like the final word on their relationship coming to a head. But in another way, she doesn't know her and exactly how fragile and fucked up she is, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's... Yeah. How she could, at a hair trigger, just collapse into tears and just not be able to even function as a human being. And are you really getting one over on Elizabeth, oh, she doesn't know that side of you, but you're still deeply, deeply messed up. up, Yeah, Yeah, is that really winning? (laughs) A pyrrhic victory, I guess. Although I do want to call that out too, though, right? Is that like, yes, I believe the crying and the breakdowns are real, but I also Mm -hmm. think they're manipulation. Yes, absolutely. So like, I I don't want to play too much into like, oh, Gracie is so fragile. She also uses... As manipulation, I think, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I do think yeah, she, to like garner sympathy and like, stuff. Like, like, yeah, I do yeah, think yeah. she genuinely does feel damaged by the you know universal hatred and contempt she has for almost all the people in her town, almost all of her old family, you know, all of that. Like, I do think that, that her hurt there is real. Like, I don't think she brushes off getting boxes of shit mailed to her yeah, as yeah, blithely yeah. as she says she does. 
But I do think there is also a manipulative aspect to everything she does, especially with regards to Joe, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have this weird thought. Did she send herself a box of shit? <laughs> I didn't get that. Like, it seems so coincidental. Joe's like, yeah, we haven't got one of these in a while. And it oh, happens okay. to be like delivered like the at day the day that exact... Elizabeth gets there. Yeah, yeah same yeah, time. Yeah. Like Elizabeth is the one who picks it up. I'm not to say like planted for her planted to pick for up her. to bring to the backyard. You know? Yeah. yeah. I did have that thought, That's though. a fun little theory, actually. The last thing I wanted to bring up was just that because they didn't have rehearsals on this movie. So... Natalie Portman basically had to learn Julianne Moore's mannerisms while they were filming. So, like, she had to learn how to copy her while they were actually doing the movie. Even more method. Yeah. Another layer on top of that. That's crazy. Uh, Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Man, I mean, I just can't stop thinking about this movie. Yeah, it was great. It really sticks with you. Top 10 material? I think so. I think it's sneaking in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really impressive. I wasn't super looking forward to this one, to be honest. I didn't really fully know what it was about and everything. I didn't know Todd Haynes and, you know, Natalie Portman hater and so on. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) this was really pretty impressive. I've already recommended it to people. You know, it's only two hours. It's on Netflix. I think it's one that you can, like very happily watch at home on Netflix and not feel like you missed something by seeing it in theaters. Just watch it at home. Like, it's fine. I think you'll get a lot out of it. It's just good. Very high audience score on this one. I'm actually surprised. Well, I think people get it. We've reached a time in our culture now, like, I don't know, 25 or however many years later after the scandal, that people are understanding that. If they didn't understand it then, which I think some people still didn't, is that, you know, sexually abusing children is wrong, even if it's an older woman and a young boy. Like, I think our society is a little bit more clear on that now than we were in 1997. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's a good time for this movie to be hitting, right? Yeah. Not, like, on moral grounds, but, I mean, this movie is kind of thorny, and it's hard to parse. There's this collision of tones that I feel like some people would not like. They don't know what it's supposed to be, really. But I'm glad everyone's loving it. Yeah, I think the central thrust of the movie is so clear. Like, Gracie's It's clear, yeah, yeah, yeah. That people aren't confused and that people are able to – even if there are some things in there that are maybe a little bit more sophisticated or whatever. I I do think it's pretty clear and it's hitting at at the right time in the zeitgeist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you still get these jokes about how, like, oh, how lucky that boy is that his teacher molested him or whatever, right? Like, you still get that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's way better than it was, you know, 30 years ago, right? So. Yeah, it's interesting that you say like you have already recommended this movie, and not to say I wouldn't recommend this movie. I think if someone I know that loves movies or you know is into the same kind of movies as I am, I would absolutely recommend this. But I don't know if I can recommend this to like everybody, really? right? Like, I think this has a pretty general. I don't like, know appeal. It's tabloid stuff. People love tabloid stuff. Yeah, and it was a big story. I think anybody would watch this and get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. When you say anybody, can I recommend my mom go watch this? I'm like, I don't think so. Really? I could. Really? I feel like my mom would watch this. Okay, maybe my mom's different. Did she but... not follow the story? <laughs> well, my parents don't really watch. Oh, actually, I don't know. One, maybe they would have. So that might interest them. I guess my parents are different. Like my parents don't watch many movies in general anymore. You know, mm-hmm. they used to yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. they were younger, but they don't really watch a lot of movies Same. anymore. So, but this is like a super serious movie. I think any kind of movies they watch nowadays are just, they kind of go to the theater to have quote unquote a good time. I don't know if this is a good time movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's like a four quadrant movie, yeah. but it does have more appeal than you would think. I think a lot of people like trashy stuff, and there's a bit of trashy stuff in this, too. Yeah. And there's some big names. People like Julianne Moore. People like 
Natalie Portman. They may not be familiar with Todd Haynes, but neither was I. So, all right. Well, I think yeah, we all definitely recommend this movie. We all really like this movie, and stay tuned to see if it ends up on all of our top tens. That will probably conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You guys can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Yeah, you can uh, find me defending Natalie Portman's honor on the internet. <laughs> uh, and what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at The World's Okay's Photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular app. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on May, December, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read them out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.